0: We're busy working through This Is Us, right? This is week three of This Is Us. DNA is normally two nights long, followed by a a coffee with one of the leadership couples in the church. And and as James said, we grapple with our values and our practices as a church, letting people know. But here's uh, here's what you don't know. This Is Us is actually our DNA course, rejigged. So as to become sermons that we work through on the other side of COVID, having just had two years separated, we've taken our DNA series and we've put it into a sermon series. And so DNA is now one night uh, because actually... You've watched the six values and practices talks of our church. Now, church, I hope you knew that. Obviously, as you're as a member of our church, you're hearing this and you're going, Hey, this isn't a sermon series. This is just our DNA. Hey, that's what you've been thinking. Hey, this didn't catch you off guard when I told you that. You're not going, no. I'm just kidding. We've reworked our DNA material, and a lot of us going from uh, from uh, one church, nine uh, congregations, into nine independent churches over the last while. We've said, "Hey, we're going to put our stakes in the ground into defining who our values are," and that's what this uh, this is. Us is all about. It is our DNA course. You are saving a night if you're looking in to join, um, and if you miss the co- miss one of them, I'd encourage you to join in and to I mean to go back online and to uh, to catch it up. We're in week three. Hello, if you're if you're joining us online, sorry, I was so rude. My name is Luke, and it's so cool that you would be joining us today. I trust that today you're gonna to hear something that is profoundly provoking to your faith uh, wherever you are watching this. We're in week three. What is week three all about? Christ-like or countercultural formation. Dick, I'm going, to, I'm going to move around now a little bit. Maybe you want to try to follow me on the screen, but let's just try how this goes. Over here is our little diagram that uh, looks into this series. In fact, I'll bring it to you. Um got to make it up sometimes, eh, as you go along. We're exploring This Is Us. We've looked at the gospel at the center, gospel defined. We've looked at James spoke to us last week about um, presence, being with Jesus. Now today we're looking at formation becoming like Christ. At the the gospel at the center, you can see how community is in all of these different quadrants. Gospel at the center, how does that work out and how that forms us into people. Yes, there's individual stuff we do in our formation into Christ-likeness. Oh, but you can see there's a lot of community uh, as well that forms us into Christ. Um and so that's where we are on these uh on this beautiful diagram we have. Week three, spiritual formation. This is us. Let me start by telling you a story, a true story. The background is it's Nazi Germany. Hitler is dominating and ruling Germany at the time just before the Second World War. And Hitler is on a mission to turn Germany into his own Aryan empire, right? A man named Dietrich Bonhoeffer is a German pastor. Uh, Around the same time as Hitler. He's a pastor. He's a church leader. He's a powerful leader and man of God and he's given a property with which to establish a college that trains pastors to teach the Bible and to teach people about Christ, right? It's sort of an underground college with very few people kind of in the middle of nowhere and one day one of his mates comes to him to Dietrich and stages a bit of an intervention. You see, the background to this is Bonhoeffer came from a, an elitist family. He was wealthy, he was noble, he was well-to-do. And his, his mate had come to him to say, um, Mate, Dietrich, mate, I probably, probably didn't say mate, but he said the German equivalent in the Second World War of mate. He said, I think you're getting a little bit carried away here. You're getting too zealous. You need to dial it back a little bit. This kind of radical followership of Jesus is unbecoming to a person of such societal standing. Worse, it could get you into serious trouble with the Nazis. You get the idea of the kind of intervention, right? So Bonhoeffer takes his mate and he puts him in a rowboat and they jump out from the college, and they jump into the rowboat, and he rows him across the lake, right? Not a lot of talking going on as they're rowing. And they get to the edge of the lake, and then he walks him up a hill. And they get to the top of the hill, and he stands on top of the hill. And Dietrich says to his friend who's trying to intervene and say, dial it back, you're too serious in your followership of Jesus. And he points on the one side of the hill to a Nazi Air Force base. We're going to just stick with it. Mate, let me tell you. They are training people there in what it is to be a Nazi. They are discipling them. They are forming them. They are teaching them on what it is to live in this Aryan Third Reich. And then he turned and he pointed. Sorry, timer. And he pointed there. And he says to them, this has to be stronger than that. This has to be stronger than This has to form people better than that is forming people. This has to produce stronger people than that is producing. And then he got back in the boat and awkwardly rode in silence back to his college. Today I want to talk about spiritual formation. Today I want to talk about spiritual formation. Because this, this has to be stronger than that. Let's open our Bibles, Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. We're going to focus on key verse today, verse 2. We're going to read from the NRV. It's up on the screen if you want to. Paul is writing to the church. He's just unpacked the gospel, the gospel that's at the center of the where gospel defined as Common Ground South Penn, gospel defined, the gospel uh, that it, Paul has just unpacked for these last 11 chapters. And now he says, therefore, in light of the gospel. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. And our key verse for the day. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. In the ESV, there's a little variation there that that says, do not be conformed to this world. Do not be conformed to this world. Let's pray, and then I want to unpack this for our lives. Fathers, we come before you as we look at your word, and, and this simple, really this simple phrase in your word that is so important for us as Christ followers. God, I ask that you would speak to us. Not just provoking us in knowledge, but I pray that today for us as a people, pennies would drop. Uh, in a sense, eyes would be opened, that meaning would be gained, Lord, and that we would be able to take new steps in how we live our lives, Christ. For those who are here today who maybe are watching today who are not Christ followers, God, I pray you would speak to them about who you are and what you've done and the kind of life that is possible in you because of that. Amen. When you look at the NIV and the ESV side by side, this clear idea emerges. This this, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed into Christ-likeness. Do not conform to the pattern of, the, or do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed into Christ-likeness. Today I want to contrast two forms of discipleship or spiritual formation. I'm going to use the word spiritual formation more than I'm going to use the word discipleship because I think it's a better word for us today. Um, when we think discipleship in the church, we often think of Jesus and the 12. And, uh, and we think discipleship is one person with all the answers pouring into 12 people or a few people without all the answers, and then they learn. But actually, as, as the gospels go on and Acts, is the book of Acts is written and the early church is there, discipleship in the early church doesn't so much look like one into 12. It wasn't that the church was gathered into one person with all the teaching into 12 and groups of 12. It was more of a, an ecosystem. The church was an ecosystem of formation, of relationships, of truth, of, of prayer, of breaking bread, of, of, of people um, serving one another. Of, uh, and, and in that space, lives were formed into Christ-likeness. And so I'm going to favor the word spiritual formation today. And the big idea for our message today is this. The formation of Christ in our lives has to be stronger than culture's formation of the world in our lives. The formation of Christ in our lives has to be stronger than culture's formation of the world in our lives. Or we will lose. Or we will lose. We will lose our call. We will lose our distinction. We will lose our influence. Moms and dads, as I I, I speak to you, I feel this as a parent. We may lose our kids in this thing if we don't take this seriously. Because if they don't see in us the seriousness of what it is to follow Christ, they could get a watered-down version from our lives that they inherit from us. We will lose. We will cease to be light and hope if this is not stronger than that. It's worth stopping and asking the question before we even start this morning's message. Who or what do you want to become as a person? Who or what do you want to become? Do you want to become like Christ? Is Christ-likeness the highest call of your life? If that's true, then uh, the second question is, Are the habits and the practices that shape your days and your weeks making you more and more like Jesus? Are the habits and the practices that shape your days and your weeks more and making you more and more like Christ? Because our systems are all perfectly designed to get the results that we're currently getting. Does that make sense? We're speaking about the formation of Christ in our lives. This is the great goal of the Christian life, becoming more like Christ. So much so that Paul echoes this in other passages, one of which was read in our pre service prayer meeting. Tot- Totally disconnected from knowing the message we're preaching. 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18, Paul says to the church in Corinth, And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. Ephesians 4, a little bit more detail, a little bit more meat on the skeleton here. Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self and be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. There's this putting off of the old self because the gospel has come at the center of your being and a putting on of the new self, which looks become, looks like becoming more and more like Christ. Spiritual formation is the process of becoming transformed into Christ likeness and, and being counterformed from the shape of the world into the shape of Christ. And we as Common Ground South Penn are those people who are deeply committed to becoming like Christ. We are those in our community who have a deep inbuilt desire to be transformed into the likeness of Jesus above any other pattern in this world. Let's unpack it for our lives. My first point is this. Spiritual formation starts with, number one, recognize our culture is not neutral. Recognize our culture is not neutral. Verse two says, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. Now what you've got to see here, is that Paul is assuming a default position. When Paul writes this letter to the church in Rome, he's assuming a default position for you, he's assuming a default position for your life, and he's assuming a default position for our church. And the default position that Paul is assuming is one of conformity to our culture. One of conformity to our culture. And Paul is saying to us in our default position, your default position is one of conformity to culture, to step out of conformity and into transformity, right? And I know transformity is not a proper word, but it rhymes with conformity and it speaks to, you know... He says, step out of conformity. Your default position is conformity to a world. And so let's unpack this a little bit here. We live in a world that is shaping us. Our world, your world is constantly shaping you. It's constantly shaping me. It's shaping us relentlessly. It's forming us into something. Our culture is incredibly skillful at subtly shaping you into a particular type of person. Our communities, our practices, our networks, our city, um, our, our our." The practices of our society, our media, our social media, our rhythms of life, all of these are not just things that you do, but they are things that shape your life. For instance, when Paul wrote these words 2,000 years ago to the church then, he was writing to a people who were being formed by Rome into a particular type of person. Rome was a deliberate way of life. It was in, the, the system of life in Rome was deliberately designed so as to produce a particular type of person, a Roman. It was designed to make people into Romans. So Roman society leveraged customs, stories, history, myths, festivals, theater, art, religion. All of these things were were tools that were leveraged so as to create a worldview that pointed people towards the Roman way of life, the way that Romans lived. And so anyone kind of caught in the net of that society through all of these different mediums was shaped in thinking and in desire to a particular type of person. Paul knew this when he wrote this. He recognized that culture was not neutral our culture shapes our lives like the southeaster shapes the trees in the south peninsula right you've seen them all leaning this way right because the prevailing winds of culture constantly are shaping our lives our culture our ethics The stories in our culture, the art in our culture, the sources of authority in our culture, entertainment in our culture, news, media, social media is a conforming, shaping power exerting itself on your life. Do you know this? It forms what we think is normal. It determines what we think is right, what we think is noble, what we think is good. And the first step in today's message is recognizing that culture is a shaping force on our life. It's not neutral. One of the biggest mistakes that we make when we come to our discipleship is thinking that we are blank canvases for Jesus to just start shaping. We're not. None of us are blank canvases. Every one of us, and I'm going to use a word that we're not going to like, every one of us has been deformed by our culture away from the person of Christ. We've all been deformed. I know it's hard to hear. We, we, we live in a world where the narrative is, um, I am who I am and God made me this way. No, you've been shaped by the world into a particular uh, way, shape, and form. It's not that simple. So much of who you are is the result of being deformed by our world into a particular person. So much of it. Um, for. For Bonhoeffer, he, he highlighted how the Germans were, well, the Nazis were, not the Germans, sorry, the Nazis were, were taught, were teaching people to think that they were a particular kind of Aryan race superior to other people. Think of South Africa. You don't have to look very far back in our in our history to know this. That white people were taught to think a particular way about themselves. And black people and colored people were taught a particular way to think about themselves and a particular way to think about other people. and that that our history itself becomes a forming power on how we live and how we make decisions and how we navigate our present and dream about our future. We're constantly being formed by our world and our culture. We have to recognize it, which is why Paul says, do not be conformed to this world. The starting point of our formation is recognize we live in a world that is shaping us all the time, our thinking, our desiring, and our longing. The Patterns of your life, and after receiving the Gospel, the rest of life is about working uh, be, being formed away from the pattern of the world, putting off the old self and and being formed into the image and person of Christ, all the while becoming more and more fit for heaven or, or, or the new heavens and the new earth that we we, 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 we worshipped so much, thinking about when we when we are before christ you 're becoming more and more shaped to belong in that eternity. Here's the the thing. The last thing I want to say about this is there's a secret power at work in our culture. And the secret power is because you're living in it every single day, we become numb to its shaping power on our lives. We don't feel it forming us. Even maybe some of you sitting there going, really? Is culture really forming me so strongly? David Foster wallace I've quoted him often that he he was an atheist uh thinker, he sadly tragically took his own life, but before he he you know before he did, he was speaking at a um, university campus to a bunch of students and he and he was thought of an he was an amazing mind he he thought of this illustration to speak to them he said this he tells a story of two fish if we've got a picture of two fish there it says there were two young fish swimming along one day and they happened to come upon an older fish. And the older fish happens to be swimming the other way, and he nods to the younger fish, and he says, "'Morning, boys, how's the water?' And The two young fish swim on for a little bit, and eventually one of them says to the other one, "'What the hell is water?' The point being, they are so used to living in this that they no longer feel it's shaping force and power on their lives. They're in it every day. You no longer feel, when you live in a culture like ours, you no longer feel it's sculpting blade or it's molding fingers on our lives. It's subtle. Just think of the example of entertainment. John Markoma in his book, I'm busy reading at the moment called Live No Lies, an extraordinary book. He says this, uh, speaking of Hollywood, the ability to shape the preferences of others and the ability to attract. Hollywood has done more to change the mores around sex, divorce, adultery, vulgar speech, and consumerism than most anything, simply by making movies that are fun to watch. Little by little, we're being shaped. You're never standing still. You're never staying the same. You are always becoming someone. The first point I want to make today is that culture is not neutral. And then, therefore, as a church, our spiritual formation needs to, and my second point is our formation needs to be both countercultural as well as Christ-forming. Our spiritual formation has to be both countercultural and Christ-forming. Number one, countercultural. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. We've been unpacking this already. Formation must counter the world's formation on our lives and correct it. This is the negative side of spirituality. Spiritual formation. It's about getting the world out. It's about putting off the old self. We need to recognize and resist the ideologies, pursuits, and practices of our world that cut with Jesus. Does that make sense? I know I'm using a lot of technical words here, but at the end of the day, it's simple. that Our world is forming us every day into a particular type of person. We need to be counterformed, number one, recognizing how it's forming us, beliefs, uh, patterns of life, ways of living, and resist these things. It starts by understanding where has my understanding of others and my possessions. Where's my understanding of others? Where's my understanding of myself been deformed by the world? And then the second question is, what does it look like to understand others, my time, my talents, my treasure, anew in the ways of Christ? I want to just put a little disclaimer in here. I know I'm having a full-on go at our culture. I don't, to, I don't want to take gloves off or anything like that. But I also want to say, obviously, I don't believe everything in our culture is wrong. I really don't. There is so much good. There is so much good. And I'm
1: certainly crystal clear about that. But it's certainly not all good. And simply that. The next thing,
0: when we resist and when we reject things, do not do so with a sense of self-righteous anger, right? we self-righteous people telling the, everybody how we've got it together and everybody
1: else is wrong, right? And
0: humility and right? Can we, can we bank that? but we do it definitively as well. We're wise to what's going on in our world. So we're countercultural. So we stop and ask ourselves, in what way is culture shaping my life away from Christ? Have you done this recently? did you ask yourself the question? We'll unpack a little bit about what it looks like in a second. The second thing of formation, we've looked at the ne- negative side, counter-formational, uh, counter, uh, countercultural Now we're looking at Christ's uh, in our lives. Then you will be able to test and approve God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. We're learning to think and love and desire according to God's will and God's ways. It's Christ-likeness as we read in 2 Corinthians 3.18. We're being transformed into the image of Christ more and more. We're not trying to become opposite We're not trying to become opposite to our culture. We're trying to become like Christ. We're just in a way that's mindful of how we've been formed by our culture. Does that make sense? I feel like I'm talking, using all these weird terms I'm not used to using and culture and formation and whatever, but it's so important that we get our heads around these things. opposite our culture. We're trying to become like Christ, but doing it mindful of how our culture is forming us, right? We're we're not in reaction to culture. We're trying to orientate our lives around Jesus, just being mindful of position. Robert Mulholland Jr. defines spiritual formation as this. The process of being formed in the image for the sake of us. The process of being formed into the image of Christ of others. This conform to our culture. We're being transformed into Christ-likeness. Regardless of your income, your geography, your marital status, your circumstances in life, your skin color, this is the goal of your life as a to be transformed into likeness to Christ. This is why, as we approach the perfection of
1: heaven, we are being transformed.
0: You're becoming. More fit for it when you give yourself to pursuing Christ in transformation, it's like training ultimate, uh, your ultimate reality with heaven. I mean, in, with Christ in heaven. Okay, now let's get. Get our hands dirty in application a little bit here. What does this look like? I know we've done a lot of sort of theoretical concept here. What does this look like in our lives? What does it look like to deliberately order your life according to this pursuit? Well, we learn to ask ourselves a different question. When we're, making our, when we're deciding our calendar, when, we, when we're deciding what we do, how we live, how we don't live, Right we begin to ask the question, how is this forming me? I'm not just asking, is it right or wrong to watch... Uh, 40 hours of Breaking Bad, right? I'm not just asking. Um, a little bit of nervous laughter. Uh, uh, I'm not just asking my whole weekend. Is it right or wrong? I'm asking how forming me kind of person am I becoming? If I was to go into Groundhog Day, and you know, Groundhog Day was that movie that Bill Murray was in long, long ago, where every day he woke up and it was the same day over and over and over again. If you were to live the same way that you lived yesterday or the day before, this week, over and over and over again for the rest of your life, what kind of human being would you become? Would you become more like Jesus or less like Jesus? Would you become more like our world or less like our world? We are Formative question. Does watching copious amounts of insert your preferred I don't know Netflix, Supersport, whatever it is, right? Does it train you more for eternity? And so it becomes not about moral statements of good or bad, but it becomes about the formative question. Am I becoming more like Christ or am I becoming more like my culture? We need to look at our lives through the formative lens. The second one I'd maybe ask is uh, to the news junkies here. I don't know if you're a news junkie, right? You are always looking at the news, always want to know what's happening on the news, right? Do you know that we've moved over the last few decades from a weekly news cycle, Sunday newspaper would come out, right? To a daily news cycle, to an hourly news cycle now every time your app refreshes breaking news right now what happens to a human being when 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 your news cycle goes from an hourly i mean a, a, a weekly news cycle maybe even before that monthly when someone would ride into town on a horse and would read you know would, i don't know i don't know to an hourly news cycle well suddenly again we're not asking is it right or wrong to read the news all the time we're asking how is this forming me as a person what happens is as the news is, is, is updated every hour, and it's always breaking news, the funnel for which the crises that you are exposed to with your life goes this wide, right? And so now every crisis on the globe, no matter how far away, you're exposed to, you, you, you get information which is kind of emotively move, moving, but you can do nothing about it because it's on the other side of the world, right? The kidnapping in Lisbon, the shooting in Egypt, the, the, the plane crash in Scotland, all of this is breaking news that demands your attention, right? All of which has disappeared within an hour, though. You never hear anything about it again. I'm not opposed to us knowing all of this, but I'm saying all the whilst, just down the road from us, there are crises happening in our world, in our neighbors, our own back gardens. And we're so exposed and so ex- exposed to and so overwhelmed by all of these crises that are incessant, right? They demand our attention. This is this is a set that's happening and it's happening all the time and and you're exposed to it and you become a little bit anxious about it probably Um, that's the way these and then you can't do anything about it because it's on the other side of the world so you learn to be moved by something and then do nothing about it moved by something and do nothing about it moved by something and do nothing about it and eventually you become numb and there's a paralysis that starts to starts to kind of creep in, you become overwhelmed with what's happening on the globe whilst we in our overwhelmed state, block out what's happening in our back gardens and do nothing about it. It's not an issue of right or wrong. It's what kind of human being is it making me when, when, I'm, when I'm living like this? And so thoughts of the kingdom fade, thoughts of my neighbor fade because I'm constantly, I'm constantly sucked into things far away over there where I can do nothing about it. Okay, so far we've said. Recognize our culture is not neutral. The two parts of spiritual formation, the negative side of counterforming from our culture, of discerning what's in there that's not of Christ, and then the positive side of, of so that's putting off, and then the positive side of putting on, how do I become more like Christ? Getting culture out, getting in. Learning the formation question. It's not, is it right or is it wrong? It's how
1: we evaluate everything.
0: Talking about this formation needs to be stronger than that formation. So let's get super practical now. I want to pick one theology as we come into land, uh, or one ideology of our culture that's shaping our lives, and then ask the question, how do we deliberately counter this ideology from shaping who we are? All right. So perhaps more than any other generation before us, individualism and self-fulfillment ideology of our day, right? This way of thinking shapes our lives. Individualism, it's all about me and what I want in my life and self-fulfillment. It's rampant in our day. The great pursuit of so many of our lives is project self, following my dreams, what's in my heart, what's my hopes and how do I do these things. Life is all about my life, my career, my progress, my family, my dreams. It's all about what makes me happy. A lot of that in our culture, right? Fair to say. And so spouses walk out of marriages because you know what? She just doesn't make me happy anymore. We just we're just not happy anymore, right? Or another person makes me happy. Another gender makes me happy. Another person makes me feel alive again. What happens is when life becomes all about my individualism and my self-fulfillment, my self, um, we make temporary commitments to one another based on my individual preferences, which could change from time to time. You tracking with me? How does this, I mean, surely that wouldn't impact us as a church. You know, would, would that impact us as a church? Of course it impacts us as a church. Commitment to church can be based on our preferences how contemporary the band is, guys. Were you contemporary today? Were you not contemporary today? You know How much I like your songs, how much I don't like your songs. Do I like the preacher? Do I not like the preacher? What did I get out of this worship? What did I get out of this message? I just love the way it makes me feel when I come to that place. It all becomes about me and what I'm getting out of it and what I like and my individual preferences. And when individual preference and when individual fulfillment becomes at the center, then our commitments become temporary. And And to that... Jesus says, greater love is no man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. Jesus says, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Jesus says, the greatest of all has become the servant of all. Jesus says, love your enemies. All of these things I highlight, just to say simply, they cut with self-fulfillment. They cut with self-happiness, right? All of these cut with a, a self-centered view of life. They all speak to putting others first. They're completely So everything in you cries out, don't commit, keep your options open. But you've got to counter formation, resist this, and you've got to embrace Christ in service of others. Jesus committed himself to others who were needier than him, who let him down, who who cost him effort and energy, and yet he loved them, and he stuck with them, and he forgave them. And when you do that, you become a different kind of person than our culture. You need to be in a community with people who irritate you. (laughs) You need to be in close relationship with people who are needier than you. You need to have people in your life that are considerably poorer than you not under your employ, but in your friendship circle. And you need them more than they need you, because they will make a drain on your life. That, you, that, that, that is helpful. It is only when you can see what I have is given to serve others that you'll be, your life begins to take the shape and the pattern of Christ. It is only when someone irritates you and annoys you And then you have to forgive them rather than walk away and do something fun for yourself. That you you move from self-fulfillment and you become a lover of others. You become a servant of others. Because loving other people, especially those who don't have as much as you, that's exactly what Jesus did. When you do that, you become a different kind of person altogether. When you do that week after week, Month after month, year after year, your life is no longer formed according to preference. Your life is formed according to Christ, who gave his life in service of others. They are a gift to you. We're doing all right. So, help us highlight some practices as a church that are helping us resist the temptation to our lives in on ourselves and to recalibrate ourselves around the person of Christ. In other words, how do we do this as a church? And the disclaimer here is it's not going to be rocket science. It's simple. But hopefully you're going to see how this forms us into different kinds of human beings. Number one, how are we combating individual, um, individualism? Uh, and, uh, and each of us is different. And each of us is made different. about <laughs> me and my fulfillment, right? Please don't hear what I'm not saying. How do we combat these things? Number one, find we as a church, all of us, serve one another. We serve the needy, we serve those who are being oppressed, and we serve our members as common grounders. We're a serving body. Before COVID came along, we were about 250 adults of a church, of which 176 were in serving teams, plus uh, serving within the, lo- the local body, as well as a group of others who were serving wider of our community. In are people who in our genes we serve beyond ourselves how do you combat my life and my preferences and the push of the world all about you number one you sign up to serve whether that be signing up to join a serving team in the band in the kids rock in coffee or whatever whether that be joining our shine literacy um, a team that teaches kids to read in ocean view or or whether you sign up to join celebrate recovery on a Thursday night as in Thursday night um, online at the moment, but in the next few weeks, coming live again to this venue, we, we this venue to become a place that serves our community to those who are struggling with hurts, habits, and hang ups, addictions, and wounds that people can't shake themselves that need help. People sign up to serve every week to serve others in coming along that way. We sign up to serve in mercy and justice and fellowship. Just sign up to serve. Number one, there's going to be three of them, by the way. Number two. Do life together in life groups. If you want to combat the pull of the world to curve your life in on itself, I think one of the most powerful things you can do is join a life group and ask this question. How do I serve these people in this group and encourage them towards Christ? How do I serve these people in this group and encourage them towards Christ? And make that a priority in your life. If you just do that, join a life group and ask how do I make these other people a priority in my life and their journey towards Jesus? If you just join a group, I'm not talking about the courses you might have. I'm not talking about the books you might read together. I'm not talking about the discussions you might have that teach you more about Jesus. Forget about all of that for a second and just join for people and say I am here to serve you that you would Christ. If you just do that, you will take a profound step Toward Christ likeness, simply by joining a family and existing to serve others. It is so opposite our world. And it is so exactly like Christ. And the last one, oh, it's about to, I mean I'm preaching to the choir on this point, I realise that, but protect Sundays to worship with your spiritual family. In an age of individual preference and self-fulfillment, we don't engage with church based on our preferences. You cannot live in the ways of Jesus and not inconvenience your life to serve other Christ followers. You cannot live in the ways of Jesus and not inconvenience your life to serve others Christ followers and not yet Christ followers gifts that others bring to your life that you cannot get elsewhere in the world. The norm of our church is to gather on Sundays to worship Jesus every Sunday, even when the surf is good, even if it's raining. Why? Because you're part of something bigger than yourself.
1: You belong to something than
0: just you. We come to give God our worship. We come to give others our care and our service. Because this is us, and in doing this, in arriving just week after week, regardless whether you're not a slave to the weather, you're not a slave from the week, none of those things, none of those things have any power or sway. Because you know, I'm part of a body that's my eternal family. I gather to my king and i
1: family in care and and in wanting to see them built up. And when you do that, and when you
0: You're becoming a different kind of human being, one in the shape and image of Christ. We must come into land. Either we will drift towards our self-preferences, or you will deliberately counter-lean towards Jesus. I put that before you today. You will drift. What did Donnie Gregg say to us on this last men's weekend? He said, like, you look at a boat that's Come, ad- come come, adrift, right? You, you don't drift into good things. You don't drift into the harbor, right? You drift onto the rocks or you drift onto some reef or you, you know, you, you don't drift into Christ likeness. No, you counter lean towards Jesus. And the last thing I want to say is there is a cost to our lives. Spiritual formation, discipleship has to be disruptive in our lives, it has to be disruptive. Because if my life looks like everybody else's life in my world, how am I going to become something different than them? Our systems are perfectly designed to get the results we're currently getting. Discipleship that is foremost after Jesus must
1: inconvenience our lives, our calendars. It will require that we deliberately choose ourselves to things that are inconvenient and even. Position to our we can't have our cake and eat it. Every being forming ourselves
0: by our current practices today, we become the things that we desire the most. We become the things that we give ourselves to the most. We are those in this community. Who are giving ourselves intentionally, deliberately, paying the price and the cost, Jesus' words, laying our lives down in order to become more like Christ. And all the whilst, the Spirit of God is working and working on our hearts. You see, it's not, I, I don't want you to get the the, the message that culture is so, powerfully, so powerful. How are we going to make it? No, 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 no. The, the gospel has been put at the center of who you are and who I am. I have a new identity. I have a new nature. I'm alive to Christ. The bias of my heart is not towards selfishness. The bias of my heart is no longer towards the pattern of the world. And then, and then to that, the Spirit of God comes and indwells me and then goes to work with this new nature that's in there, turning the volume up on steroids, all the while setting me on a new trajectory towards Christ-likeness. The momentum is for you and with you as you lean in to Jesus. One last thing I want to say on this. 37 minutes, sorry guys, two minutes over. This must be stronger than that. What's this? This. Our practices, our beliefs has to be stronger than that in order for us to be distinctive, in order for us to be of light, in order for us to be able to make a difference. David Brooks said this, my theory of social change is that society changes for the better when a small group of people find a better way to live and the rest of us copy them. I mean, it's it's simple, hey? This is the invitation today. I want to call us to be a part of that small group of people in the South Peninsula who have found Jesus in a counter-formational way and who are becoming like him, deliberately, intentionally paying a price. But day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year, we become more like Christ. And our credibility, even even our credibility in a culture goes up because Christ, Ways truly are better and glorious, more glorious than anything else in our world. For us, can I invite that band up? A lot like to chew on this morning, eh? This must be stronger than that. Can we stand together as we do business with Jesus?
1: remembering who we are, we are defined by the gospel, not by our culture, not
0: by our birth cultures, whether those have been, I don't know your life, you find primarily your identity is formed by the gospel, therefore Paul said in view of God's mercy to you, because the gospel is at the center of who you are. Because Christ is in you, because His Spirit is in you. Jesus, understanding who we are, we ask Christ that you would remind us of this profound truth of the work that you have done in setting us free from the powers of this world and in giving us a new identity as, as Christ, little Christs, as being the first fruits of a new kingdom that would be unleashed in our world, Lord Jesus. Would you put into us as common writers in South Penn a sense of a grander vision of formation, Lord Jesus, that that doesn't rise and fall on our own efforts and strength, but it rises and, and, and it continues to rise because you've put a new identity at the center of who we are and your spirit, Christ, is in us, at work in us, helping us to discern where culture has crept into our hearts, where the world has crept into uh, shaping who we are. I pray right now for us as a church, you would give us in terms of the negative side of spiritual formation, Lord. Would you open our eyes, God? Open our eyes to see the water around us, to recognize it for what it is, Lord Jesus, for where it's crept into our hearts, where that's shaping who we are and how we live and the kind of children we're raising, Lord Jesus. Jesus, would you give us a fresh vision of who you are, of what it looks like to look like you, what it looks like to live in your ways in our world, Lord Jesus.
1: We freshly
0: today understand the great goal of our lives, Christ, to become more like you, to become more like you, Christ. that day but even this day and a little more tomorrow and a little more the next Jesus would you come and work on our hearts Lord as the band leads us in song what is the thing today that you take from what's the what's the next step for you perhaps the next step is actually switching some stuff off maybe it's a just actually realizing hey this thing's not it's not that it's good or bad it's just it's not making me after Christ it's not Jesus all this time I'm spending to this end leverage towards becoming more like Christ maybe it's embracing something new Take a second to do business with Jesus and work out what is it that's your next step in heaven. Thank you, Jesus, that you accept us just as we are. Just as we are because of your perfect sacrifice, Christ. The lengths that you went to, to forgive every sin. To forgive every ounce even of worldliness that creeps into our heart, Lord Jesus. That you don't leave us the way that you find us, Lord Jesus. But you transform us. I pray for an outbreaking of fresh power in the hearts of us as a church, Lord fresh power to break free from some of the things that have perhaps been holding us back Lord Jesus to discern some of the habits that we've been living in that are not of you Christ or even just not for us right now Lord Jesus and to embrace some new ones Jesus to embrace your shaping power in our lives to give ourselves to the great end of becoming more like Christ above any other pursuit in our lives Jesus That we as a people would become more and more like you, Jesus. Every single